A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello, darlings. This is Derek. Before we dive into this week's episode, I just wanted to quickly let you know we've released our first ever bonus episode featuring my phone conversation with, I still can't believe it happened, Dame Joan Collins. Also, our Patreon is now live. So if you'd like to support Dynasty as they want to be, go to patreon.com slash nasty podcast. That's N-A-S-T-Y podcast, or you can just go to our website, nastypodcast.com for the link. Now, this isn't a get-rich-quick scheme. A podcast costs money, honey, to produce. But don't worry your pretty little head off. We'll continue to offer our Dynasty Recaps gratis on all fine podcast providers. But Patreon is where we're going to start serving up ad-free episodes, bonus content, exclusive polls, and so much more. So tell your driver to head over to patreon.com slash nasty podcast if you'd like to financially support this endeavor. Welcome to Dynasty as They Want to Be, a podcast where we drill into every episode of the iconic 1980s television series, Dynasty. I'm your host, Derek J. Lang, and with me is my co-host and husband, Kyler K. Jafari. Ta-da! Ta-da! Here I am. Yeah. You're always here, though, except for that one time. Well, that was a shitty magic trick. Well, speaking of tricks, you've prepared another delightful concoction for the recording of this week's episode. Tell me and uh, the darlings listening out there what we're having. You know, I feel like we drink a lot of like swamp juice on this show, so I thought we should actually make a proper cocktail for once in a while. Um, so this is the last word. Oh, I love a yes. last word. Which should have been timed for some other episode, but I didn't care. I, I wanted not, a last word. I expect so. a last word to be a little bit more green, though. This is this is kind of a... Well, I didn't put the blue dye number four in it, so sorry. Oh, um, okay. But yes, it's, a, it's, it's equal proportions of gin and maraschino liqueur, uh, which maraschino liqueur is not that weird red dye number four. Why do we keep having dyes and things? Anyway, that doesn't come out of that jar of cherry juice or whatever in your fridge. It's it's a whole thing to itself. Anyway, and uh, chartreuse, uh, or you could just call it chartreuse. 
Yeah, I mean, we're bougie, like we're bougie enough. We don't um, need to pronounce words like that. And, Thank you very much. And lime much. juice, which is actually sort of the critical ingredient that balances all of this yeah, out. you got to have um, good limes. So we've shaken it on cracked ice and poured it into a cocktail glass. And it's uh, it's the last word on drinks, as far as I'm concerned. Well, chin chin. Mm. It's herbaceous. So herbal. Yeah. Well, I just want to offer a update on my social media campaign, hashtag justice for dynasty. And then you can talk about whatever you want before we get into this week's episode. So for those of you just joining us, dynasty is no longer available gratis for Amazon prime members. You can just flush that right down the toilet. Yeah. It's done. Glory days are over. So there's been some misinformation out there that I'd like to correct. And I've done a bit of journalistic research myself into this issue. So I'd like to just put it all out there. So basically uh, the license is up. Amazon does not have it available anymore. It's not a technical glitch. That's some of the misinformation out there. Some people said, I went to sleep and it was still playing and then I woke up and then they wanted to charge me and they said they would fix it. No, it's gone. It's done. Now, Amazon, a representative for Amazon did tell Dynasty as they want to be that there is a possibility that it could return to Amazon Prime membership, but there's no plans. There's nothing to announce in that regard right now. Now, somebody else out there said, well, perhaps because ABC has the Disney Plus streaming service now and Dynasty aired on ABC. Oh, no. We have to migrate to the ABC streaming service? No, because this is another misinformation. So, yes, Dynasty did originally air on ABC, but ABC does not own the rights to no, Dynasty. No, they sold it. They didn't know what they had. They gave it away. No, I mean, I, I they never really owned it. I mean, the, the ownership was Aaron Spelling and CBS Viacom. So, this is a CBS Viacom property, which is why Dynasty is able, the reboot is airing on the CW. That's owned by CBS we don't, Viacom. We don't talk about the reboot on this show. I know, but for the purposes of just like getting the facts straight, because hashtag justice for Dynasty is one of the most important things happening in 2020. <laughs> if not your whole life. <laughs> JK, JK. But so, no, it's not coming to Disney+. Plus. And actually, that got me thinking, well, maybe... Maybe the reason that the license wasn't renewed is that it would come to CBS All Access, which is CBS Viacom's streaming service. So I reached out to a a publicity rep for that streaming service, and they said, unfortunately, no, there are no plans for that at this time. So I wouldn't be surprised, though, if that does come to fruition because they are trying to beef up CBS All Access, and they do have a big library to pull from. You know, I think you can watch like all the old Star Trek episodes and all the old Survivor episodes, things that they own in that regard. So, you know, maybe it's a possibility. At this point, I think, you know, complain to Amazon, beg for it to come back. Personally, I did do that and they offered a free season, which is basically a $20 value. So you might have the same same luck if you reach out and you complain. And maybe if enough people complain... They will bring it back. You know, I think threatening not to renew might be a good tactic because you vote with your dollars, right, Kyler? I think you're all a bunch of complainers. You think we just need to pay $2 per episode of Dynasty? It's our fault. We put Dynasty back on the map and, you know, reap the rewards, baby. Yeah, well, anyway, 
if you are looking for the show, it is out there. Box sets are still available. The seasons have all been individually released on DVD, except I think for the last one. And um, but that is I will, I will part say, of the box set. With the box set, you have total control of your dynasty experience. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm going to say on the matter. I know, and I actually went into this with somebody on the dynasty Facebook group, and they're like, "Well, just get it on DVD. You don't have to worry about it." And I, I, we have it on DVD. Yes, of course, that is. A great option, but I'm sorry if you're on the go and you want to watch it on your We've phone. We've got like extra you first watch world it on problems. We own it on a DVD box set, and we're complaining about it not being free and available on Amazon. It's Prime. 2020. <laughs> if I want my content accessible, it should be. You know, not. I don't. I'm not walking around with discs all the time when I want to watch Dynasty. I mean, hell, my laptop doesn't even have a, a CD-ROM or whatever. You Do you want to have it. a conversation about VHS versus Betamax? No, I don't even know what that one thing is that you said at the end. I'm a millennial. <laughs> barely. God, not another millennial. I'm barely a millennial. But anyway, so that's the update. Reach out, make a big fuss about it. I know it's hard. I've seen a lot of tweets. I've been engaging with people online who do support hashtag justice for dynasty. This is just something we're going to have to deal with, but our passion, I think, for Dynasty is going to get us through this. So whether that's paying per season, paying per episode, or, or getting the box set, we'll figure it out, and we will still continue to watch Dynasty, and you should too. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm passing the collection plate now, right? <laughs> yeah, this is when you hand it out. Okay. Today's installment of Dynasty as They Want to Be is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash nastypodcast. That's N-A-S-T-Y podcast. There you can browse their unrivaled selection of audio programs and download a free title and start listening right away. It's actually the only place you can find the audio version right now of Sophia Chang's memoir, The Baddest Bitch in the Room. Love that title. If you haven't heard of her, she's basically the fierce queen behind Wu-Tang Clan. Anyway, that's what I'm downloading, honey. I'm sure you can find something you love too. Simply go to audibletrial.com slash nasty podcast to get started. Welcome back. So the beginning of this episode just makes me think of Chicago. They both reached for the gun. I was I was more into the the histrionics of it all. And then we have Jeff Colby pulling up in his Mercedes Benz. I think it's a 420 SEL. But either way, it's the W126 body style, and it's the sexiest Mercedes that was ever made. It is a total yuppie mobile. Um, and, you know, he even escorts, you know, Crystal away from the scene of the crime and the yeah. yuppie mobile. So we don't really see what happened, but Claudia got a bullet fragment in her head, and Crystal is blaming herself. And Claudia she's not near death she's definitely on a troubled road with this bullet lodged in her beautiful skull yeah i I, well i mean obviously claudia is having like some word salad moments 
and she's got the hospital turban with sideswept hair going on. Yeah, they do a good job of not showing like any blood or gore or anything like that. Even when she go- undergoes the procedure to have the fragment removed, which of course Dr. Nick Toscani is going to do because he's apparently the only fucking doctor in all of Denver now. Well, it's like the St. Dennis Club is the only place to eat a piece of fish and have white wine in town. Like Dr. Nick Toscani is the only doctor in Denver. Like. These are your options on this show. I wouldn't trust him to go anywhere near my brain with that fork that he pulled out of his saxophone case. He's got a saxophone and you didn't tell me. (laughs) Anyway, this seems like more of a harrowing experience for Crystal than it does for Claudia. I can't tell if she's like freaking out that she's going to get arrested or if she's actually guilt ridden. I have to see her. I have to explain to her what happened. I can't see her now. Crystal, you should get some rest. I don't need rest. I want to be here. I want to be with her. Crystal, the best thing you can do is get some rest. Mrs. Crowley? Yes. I want you to find a room for Mrs. Carrington. I want her to get some sleep. Sure. She may never speak again. Never be able to tell them what really happened. Well, it's nice to see Crystal, you know, finally sort of reveal her true self, which is like she's just as vulnerable as anybody else, which is that's kind of obvious. But she's like at the end of this episode, she's basically like leading the witness. She's like, Claudia, you know, you remember we fought over the gun and you weren't trying to shoot anybody and I wasn't trying to shoot you. And and of course, like the the D.A. or prosecutor, who knows, who knows the classic this this it's a detective. This damn trope with with the person walking in the room and literally opening the door as the action is happening. <laughs> they've now abused that trope three times in a row. I think one, two, three. <laughs> like and also like none stop. of that's going to be admissible in court, right? No, like the detective just this would walks technically in. be considered hearsay. Yeah. However, because it's like television soap opera logic, you know, we're just sort of. We're expected to just go along with it. And not to mention that Claudia is not a trustworthy witness. She had this fragment of a bullet lodged in her speech. Claudia is, uh, as what we used to say, an unreliable narrator. Yeah, but like even taking the bullet out of the brain, there's also the fact that she's been dealing with mental health issues. So who can... Who's going to trust her testimony anyway? And especially when she's, she's telling not fit it for the witness stand. No. So this is just goofiness. And at least Crystal is more remorseful for shooting Claudia than Blake was when he killed Stephen's, you know, gay lover Ted I, Denard. I, I don't know. I think I think Crystal's in a place where she's like, oh shit, I don't want to get in trouble. How do I save this? And AKA, how do I save myself? So I, it's interesting to see Crystal in a like a, you know, she's doing her usual um, trying to be outwardly caring and looking like she's doing the right thing. But really, it's just about saving her ass in this situation. Well, and it's a little weird to me. Didn't Claudia announce that she wanted to kill Cecil Colby? And that just completely gets swept oh, under gets the rug lost. here. Yeah. And I, you know, like, look, I don't know how much of that is the the script just kind of got wonkified. Probably a lot of it because, like, I, I don't know. I think we complained about this while we were watching it. the The directors are different here. 
It's not the usual. I don't know. It's like I, I think it's always like Philip Laycock or whoever. Okay. Well, I did a little bit of research into that because yeah, this episode felt bonkers. I mean, there's some plot lines that were bonkers. This and episode we'll get to felt that. regressive, aesthetically regressive. It, it felt, felt like, like a different. show. I was show. watching like Love Boat from 1977. Okay, so oh, do you want? Oh wait, that's what Alexis was watching. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that was a very unnecessary moment, but it was kind of cute, I guess. But the reason? Are you kidding me? This is the reason we love this show. That kind of stuff. I need more of it. Give me more of it. No, I'm not. I want Alexis watching Love Boat. Like all this I time, am she's not like here for the air and spelling. You know, she's Cinematic build as like universe. a caviar and champagne cat woman but like oh i see what you're but saying then it's like oh right actually she's just like flitting around in her negligee watching like reruns of love boat i love this i want more of that i want a show about that okay i don't want freaking colby's i want alexis carrington having her all right show. all right enough so i want to give you the information that you need basically the original director that was hired for this episode did such a terrible job that they were fired and they brought back a director. Because if you notice, there's a lot of ADR. That's when like there wasn't enough audio to cover something that somebody was saying or it didn't explain or they're trying to stitch things together. It's, it's so... basically like watching a Kung Fu movie. Well, not so much that, but it's just... It's kind of a lazy way to stitch things together. And there was so much of that. Even the hooker that Steven was banging, she had some lines that were ADR'd in there. So you can tell there was a lot of like technical did Steven issues. bang her? There's an interesting one. Well, I loved the scene with the hooker because this is sort of, you want to talk about stitching? This is like a like oh, a God. Like, like a button oh what do you mean? Keep going. <laughs> well, I'm just saying this is this is like a buttonhole and the button oh. has been reattached. Uh. And we're going back to like Steven with Sarah Pat at the, you know, what is oh. it? The Las Brisas or Brisas Hooker House. I don't know what that place was. The brothel. Anyway, the brothel. But you know, here he is and like he's like trying to have a do-over <laughs> uh, literally and She's like, well, you know, not everybody gets a gold star. Since this is Hollywood and everything's supposed to be make-believe, I make believe that this one's a movie star, that one's a TV star. Sometimes when I'm walking down Hollywood Boulevard and there's all those names on the sidewalk, I say to myself, you don't know it, Bert or Clint or Paul, but we're going to party tonight. Weird, huh? Which star was I? Yeah, were you, honey? No star for you. It was a fabulous performance. I wanted more of that hooker. And the I liked poor her. Thing, and you know, I think she just kind of like turned up a knot's landing or something. She would just kind of just did bit parts. Like she was never like a big actress, but well, and the I character loved her moment doesn't here, even yeah. get a name. Like she's literally credited as hooker, hooker, uh, which is like so inappropriate. <laughs> yeah, at like, least Sarah Pat got like, like a even, backstory. Even then, like isn't that a little bit like on the nose? Like I don't know. So but, what's going on here? Why did he go to the hooker? Is he just like feeling bad that his teen bride left him to the hooker this is like going to the oracle of delphi and she tells him you're bad in bed like he needed to know the knowledge from on high and this is what the message read you are bad in bed 
that's basically what he was told and that's like why his marriage with you know sammy joe fell apart i feel like that's reading a lot into this she told him sometimes guys get a star on the walk of fame and you were just you that's basically like Oh, but okay. Sammy Joe made no allusions to not being satisfied sexually. Well, but she also left and she said she wasn't getting what she needed. That meant furs and jewels and Cartier well, watches. Again, as I said before, like that, obviously, like the text is, yeah, she's she's chasing the lifestyle. But underneath it all, it also could sort of imply like they weren't having the best marriage ever. As we learned from Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Problems in a marriage start in the bed. So maybe that's what this is all about because here he is trying to revisit his his hooker moment and even she's like, mm, nope, you don't get a star on the walk of my fame. Well, you know who was not having any problems in the bedroom and that is Alexis and Cecil Colby. He basically came over for a booty call in this episode. I loved it. Love the booty call. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and he brought a bottle of Dom. Well, this is how booty calls should be. But however, I realize you need to have like a bankroll to finance these kinds of booty calls. Mm-hmm. You know, like not everybody has a sexy studio. Um, this And this is what we shouldn't even call this a studio. I mean, this is like basically a, a one bedroom ranch or something. I don't yeah, know. I don't know what lofty, she's living in. I guess. But, but, but I do have to say that day bed is not that sexy. I can't believe she actually. I, I love sleeps the idea of like billionaire oil tycoon Cecil Colby like in this like brass day bed. Like it's a twin, afterwards. right? Yeah, I don't. They barely fit in there. This just the aesthetics of the whole thing is like it's sort of endearing in a way, honestly. But but yeah, the, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. But Cecil Colby brings over the champagne and everybody's decided they're going to be in a champagne mood. And these two, I think he was, she said he was in a villains together. And I love it. This is, this is what's going to keep this show going. Honestly, to me, at least in my eyes, because yeah, you're getting like the Alexis and Cecil thing. And of course, Cecil's also having his own moment in the show, which I, I have been like trying to keep to myself this whole time because this, one of the, things i remember about watching well are we gonna talk about it well of course like i talk about it i want your thoughts because honestly it doesn't play well the second time around but i think it's like amusing as hell the first time you see it so as i have previously said i was hoping that this whole logan rinewood mystery person actually was a mystery because i feel like when they originally introduced logan rinewood it wasn't they weren't selling the fact that this could be somebody within this universe that we've already met. But I was hoping that using sort of my modern storytelling experience that things usually are not what they seem. And this could have been a perfect opportunity to introduce some totally new outside character. Right. And that was in my head because I do know there's a lot of people that we have not met that are in orbit of the Carringtons or is another Carrington that we just haven't met. So I do know I have that knowledge. So I thought, okay, maybe it's not somebody we already know. Maybe it's just, I kind of was thinking it was like Rashid Ahmed. I mean, my dream of dreams is that it was Alexis, but I knew that probably wouldn't happen. But my God, but when in Blake a way, it Carrington is- went to Las Vegas and Bonning, Logan Reinwood's right-hand man, sits him down in front of this webcam, I 
couldn't believe it. I was you so watching Dynasty. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it was so Bond. It was so different. We have not experienced something. It's certainly like feeding off like a, you know, a, a Bond film. The fact that Blake is basically like talking himself into like a sucker deal. This is like, you know, like how Alexis is like this like purported mythological villainess who gets away with everything all the time. No, no, she's actually not. And here's like Blake, like making a really kind of like bad business decision. Oh, let me throw 50,000. And he's like, you know, they set you up on the private jet. Like he's talking to Andrew Laird. Oh, this is the best investment ever made. I mean, no, it's really not. And then like you get like the results, like the punchline is. Yeah. 50 K for a private cam session with Logan (laughs) Ryanwood. And you don't even get to see him. It's audio only. But yeah, when they pull back and you see Logan Rinewood's lair, and it is full on Inspector Gadget, Doctor so Inspector Gadget, yeah, moment. What came first, Inspector Gadget or Dynasty? Because no, now Inspector the- Gadget came a couple of years after this. Okay, so. so now confirmed, Inspector Gadget ripped the fuck off of Dynasty because Doctor Claw is basically. Logan Reinwood, aka Cecil, Cecil Colby. Colby, speaking through a breathalyzer, or what is what is this like? And he's like doing his like groveliest, throatiest, non-accented voice. I don't know. Yeah, it's, and he had to push the, like the whole eight, thing is like buttons to it, achieve. It's that. a ham fest. I mean, I love it. It's, it's so cheesy. <laughs> and you've you've even got like the the analog clocks that are like you know one hour off from each other so it's like tokyo london germany madagascar the only thing <laughs> missing was that white pussycat on his lap for him to be stroking stroking that pussycat <laughs> i mean you know he was stroking alexis later you obviously feel it's better to have me on the inside where you can at least keep an eye on me well your thinking is quite misguided my thinking is for the good of my company your company I said this afternoon I now own closer to 50% of your erratic empire. And I'm going to find a way to get more. And that will be the end of you. Look, you maniac. Here's the thing that I have to, my issue with it. My one issue with this, they could have drawn this out more for me, honey. I would have been salivating for at least one, maybe two more episodes. I couldn't believe that they revealed it. And they didn't even reveal it at the end of the episode. Is that how done you are with this show that you just wanted to get, want it to go off in this whole other prong and like like forget everything that's happened before? Well, I you know I'm getting just a little bored of Denver Memorial Hospital turned into an international espionage caper. No, I mean I I know a little bit of that goes a long way. I'm just saying they could have drawn it out a bit more, and I would have been here for the mystery. Well, I th- I think. This might be it's not a jump the shark moment. I and that's what it's I so close though. That's what I like about this. Like they just they're edging. Like they're they're getting right there and then mm. it's it's not. Mm. And they're gonna jump the shark, obviously millions and, of times. Yeah. So I think this is like one of the things about this season that really this is like the the high watermark 
for for this show. Well, I like that they're trying new things. I mean, we're, I know we're not big fans of the hospital stuff, but they're trying that. Obviously, that's a big trope of soap operas. They've done so, some of the courtroom stuff. They've done the tabloidy things. Like they're experimenting here, and this is a definitely different avenue that they have not gone down. And, you know, maybe it's not like the greatest, but it's fun and different and definitely well, gives some Cecil something else to just, do. Just for reference, I think the the Bond film currently out at this moment was For Your Eyes Only with that amazing for song. Your eyes yeah. only. And what was it? Roger Moore, I think. This is, yeah, this is the this Roger is Moore the years Morris. before Timothy Dalton, thank God. Yeah, um, that was a little bit later in the 80s. So, yeah, I, I, I agree. There's, you know, like, look, I was not enjoying the hospital drama. I feel like you needed to check my pulse because if we have too much more hospital drama, I'd almost, like, t- tune this out. Beep. But... Beep. Thank God we've we've got yeah. It definitely resuscitated the episode. I feel bad that Pamela Bellwood, you know, has to like pretend that she doesn't know how so, to talk. And here's the here's the thing. There, uh, you already know. I already think she's the greatest actress on this show as an actress, an actor. Yes, we um, know. And even she's like struggling to make this work here. And that's how bad the writing is. That like. She's been giving, she's been like giving it everything. And like, they're like, here, here's a mud flap. Turn this into steak dinner tonight. Yeah. It definitely doesn't seem like they thought it through. I think they were just wanting to have a cliffhanger, but now we're left with these like leftovers that we have to eat and nobody wants it, but then we're not going to cook something else. It's like, how do you reheat pasta in the microwave? That never works out. Mm -mm, It's just all clumpy and... Not good. Other than this whole Logan Ryan would reveal, the other thing I really liked about this episode is that we have Alexis and Fallon finally confronting each other again after this whole paternity uh, resolution. And I love the fact that it's Alexis going into the kitchen ostensibly this naked. Is like, she's under- the worst barista ever. <laughs> also the worst mother she's going into the kitchen to make an espresso naked after freshly getting fucked by cecil i love this this is a classic hangover from the late 70s it's like i'm naked and i'm wearing a fur coat like call that that, that doesn't play very long like after (laughs) after about 83 84 it's like no that doesn't work anymore but right now it's happening right in the kitchen at the carrington mansion yeah and she's sloshing the water around and the coffee and then she doesn't even end up making the espresso no and then she tips over the espresso receptacle and it's just like no i made a mess good for Joseph the bitchy butler or or malevolent (laughs) major domo or whoever the fuck he is. So clearly Fallon and Alexis are, uh, are over there. They're no, I would say based on this conversation, which this is every soap opera, right? It's, it's all moment to moment, but at least in this moment, the two of them, I feel like are on neutral ground. Like, yeah, I could see that. If you're digging for information to make points with Blake, you can forget it because our days of plotting are over. Finny. Or is it Finito? They're both wrong. Actually, I came over here to see you. I've been dying to see you ever since I got back from Acapulco. Okay, well, you've seen me. Now you can see what other ugliness you can whip up. 
I'm sure somebody would like to buy a ticket to the Chamber of Horrors. Well, and as we've sort of been saying the past few episodes, I think Alexis's attention has shifted. And she sees now that getting married to Cecil Colby is going to ensure her a place in Denver, the lifestyle to which she has become accustomed. And she's going to be able to get back at Crystal and Blake. I mean, Alexis spends a lot of this episode, I think, trying to puppeteer her way around Crystal's unfortunate situation with Claudia. She's loving the fact that Crystal may be going, (laughs) maybe getting arrested for murder, basically. So, you know, we had the hooker doing her walk of fame all over Stephen's manhood. But then you have Cecil doing the walk of shame the morning after, you know, Apre Studio. And, of course, Blake coming down the mountainside. Yeah, that was a really... I mean, as and as it, weird as the direction was in this episode, I really did love that moment of Blake being on top of the mountain and Cecil being at the bottom and then them sort of coming closer and closer and closer to uh, to an altercation, especially after last week when they literally had a physical altercation. Closer to, I mean, they had it, you know, and Mm -hmm. and Cecil was essentially, you know, asserting class over, you know, all else. Yeah. And we need to be reminded of that. Blake was not born into this life. He just made it for himself. Whereas I guess the Colbys are some sort of monarchy or whatever. Well, you know, I mean, Cecil's even got his like sort of faux British accent or I don't know. I don't know what you like mid Atlantic. I don't know what that accent is. But yeah, what I liked about that is that there's this line that's been drawn between these two friends and it really seems like there's no coming back from it. And it's definitive. It's Blake versus Cecil. And Blake obviously doesn't know that he's Logan Rhinewood, so there is this kind of like sexy subtext in it. Well, the real sexy subtext between these two in this whole episode really is that you're being constantly engaged with Blake and with Cecil throughout this episode. And really, even the prior episode kind of sets it up too. Then there's like hints dropped in about the Logan Rhinewood thing all throughout. And then suddenly they turn out to be one and the same, Cecil and Logan Ryanwood. So you've you've sort of been set up to like understand the dynamic between Blake and Cecil on that level, mm-hmm. but it's not really made clear until, you know, Cecil turns around in the chair. What I like about this is Blake has never truly had an adversary on his level. People have come I would argue for Alexis him. is. No, I wouldn't because he was paying. I'm just saying I would argue it. I'm not saying she is. <laughs> okay, well, let's argue it then, <laughs> bitch. No, but I think, yes, she's come for him. A lot of people have come for him, but he's been sort of protected. He's in this upper echelon. He thinks multiple steps ahead. And finally, even though Cecil has been in his life and has been a friend, he has not been in this villainous position with him like all bets are off between him and i think cecil even maybe more so than alexis knows blake right and is finally able to outmaneuver him and we really have somebody here that is a match for blake and he has the element of surprise too which you know it's hard to overcome that one. Yeah, and the, you know that's that's like a, a soap opera staple in some way, but like they're using it in a good way here. And 
I'm, you know, ultimately, I think we're all intrigued to see what happens between Blake and Cecil at this point, because yeah. it, uh, heretofore, we had just kind of written them off as frenemies and that was over. But uh, it turns out this whole Logan Rhinewood thing has been bubbling under the surface the whole time. Yeah. Dial up the voice modulator. And now it's time for the look of the week segment. This is where Kyler and I choose our favorite lurks from the episode. I'm just going to go first because I feel like I'm going to forget it. I keep like reminding myself of what I liked so much, but it was so brief on screen, far too brief. Fallon comes back from like a day of shopping or something. And she's, do you remember this? Oh yeah. How could I forget? Is this your look of the week too? No, it's not. Thank God. But yeah, she's got, well, first of all, she's got these, beautiful boxes like i don't know it's like hermes and uh, like they're just like beautifully colored boxes i don't like, i want to know, know which stores if, if you she did your to. share of department store shopping in 1982 you know your things your things came boxed up and wrapped in ribbon like that yeah i love that i need a box and a bag see this is the problem with brick and mortar retail these days but anyway continue. yeah amazon you're not getting any sexy boxes like that but yeah, so she comes in wearing this like glittery off the shoulder number and you know Pamela Sue Martin has had like a hair journey this season, you know. Think back to the beginning of the episode, the beginning of the season when those bangs were introduced and they were struggling. Anyway, it was fun, it was fancy free, it was finally a nice look uh for Fallon, you know, after she's been through postpartum depression. But talk more about the clothes. Like what ex- what specifically? I need the details. So it's this shimmery, glittery sequined off the shoulder number. You know, she's had a rough couple of weeks here, and I think she needed some some retail therapy she's and a she's new mom getting back in the game is she though that damn baby wasn't mentioned one iota this I mean, whole time this is like she's like her mother alexis goes to acapulco and brings back a pinata and ta-da we're we're a grandma yeah like that I, you know like there's like so much uh uh, disregard for parenthood. Yeah, but However, did they give the baby up for adoption? <laughs> Where is the baby? Yes, we, we still don't know. Is it in one of those shopping boxes? I don't know. What was your look of the week? Uh, my look of the week is definitely Jeff. Um, who, what? Oh, yeah, I know. This is this is a zinger, huh? So yeah, Jeff in pink, uh, pink sweater. Uh, yeah, in the beginning. Yeah, with the uh, the you know the cut jeans, dark denim, uh, in the Mercedes four twenty SEL. And honestly, like this was a look that we now. Well, we used to make fun of and then became kind of a hipster look. And then now we're back to making fun of it. So I don't know. You tell me where the pendulum's swinging. The thing is about yuppies and men wearing pink, it was sort of a um, stepping back from the masculine obligations. And that's sort of like a, it's a rich people uh, you know, option. Like that's obviously the working class couldn't do such things. So you wouldn't see like some guy on the line in Detroit... The Ford I, factory. I honestly pink. didn't think that guys were wearing pink until later in the eighties. Oh no, they so would, to see it in eighty two. Well, okay, yeah, to your point, maybe this is a little bit ahead of that trend or or whatever it was. But clearly, it, it is a sort of you know a relinquishing of of masculine power because like Jeff Colby's like 
like as I've said, he's a non-entity at this point. I he's know. not doing any on anything on the show of any consequence. He's just kind of like a cheerleader uh, to the point that he's wearing short shorts and like you know waving pom poms. It's bad. Not that there's anything wrong with being a cheerleader. Oh wait, am I being insensitive to cheerleaders now? Yeah, we're not going to sh- cheerleader shame on this show. I'm sorry if I've offended any cheerleaders. The other thing that's interesting is that um, Alexis tries pink out for a bit at the end of the episode i'm actually shocked that that wasn't your look of the week well it's not the look of the week because it's just another one of these damn you know it's like a blouse it's very some pants it's very off the rack and yes and here's the thing like it looks more interesting on jeff than it does on her and they're both trying out pink she's also trying out some like new weird bad hairdo which thankfully does not make any more appearances later uh, but anyway, it's a good example of it because he's already gone back to like the, the tan suit with the brown tie um, at that moment. He's like, I relinquish the pink to you, Alexis. It's it's an interesting look. And he always wears like his proportions really well, which I imagine is sort of difficult because he's a taller, skinnier fellow. I want a mulligan on, on look of the week because I think it's actually the 80s coke den decor at Logan's camden at the desert end yes the desert end which was torn down r.i.p 2000 i guess it's now the uh the property where win and encore are currently existing yeah it's interesting because the last time he was there it was like a one room set there is full-on uh mexican tile like that's what it's actually called then there's an oriental rug that's also actually what that's called you're and then, like so offended. And then there's here. like the funky couch, like from like straight from 1982. This is a brand new couch from like Ashley Furniture or something. And it's got the 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 black like sateen material with the Sally Cruikshank print on it. Like, what is this? It's insane. And like, it's it's kind of a throwaway thing. And like, you wouldn't really notice it, except I noticed it. And like I'm, I'm just kind of like living for this crazy nonsense that's happening. Yeah, I don't know if that's like a Ray Bonning design or if Cecil signed off on that, but yeah, that room is crazy town. Well, Kyler, thank you so much for joining me on Dynasty as they want to be. Be sure to follow us on social media. We are at Nasty Podcast. That's N-A-S-T-Y Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and all social media channels. Do you need to take some vitamin C? Well, doing Logan Ryanwood really like uh, stretches the cords. Yeah, so follow us. Um, also, you can just get to everything you need at nastypodcast.com. That's N-A-S-T-Y podcast.com. And we're not kidding, like everything you need. Oh, and I mentioned it last week. I did have a conversation with Dame Joan Collins. You can actually read the interview, the story that I wrote for Palm Springs Life magazine. It's uh, it's just uh, palmspringslife.com slash Joan hyphen Collins. You can see the story there. Kyler, thank you so much for joining me. That's very modern of you. I also want to thank the artist Lindsay Mound for designing our logo and DJ Jugo for creating our amazing theme song. 
And the listeners, thank you so much for listening and supporting us. Um, You guys and gals have been super active on social media since the start of the new year, which is great to see. We're excited. We're kind of in the home stretch here of the the second season. So tell your friends, tell everybody to get on board with Dynasty and follow along with us on Dynasty as they want to be. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I'm tired now. Can you... Please leave. I'm so tired. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. 
Let's get this dinner party started.